Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestle Life Radio episode 34. And this is the night we've all been waiting for. NXT versus AEW. The Wednesday Night Wars are officially here. My name is Matt Sin. I'm here with my cousin Kyle Polly, and we're here to tell you all about the very first episode of AEW Dynamite. And then wait just one or two more days, and then Chris Cumby will be here, I believe with his beautiful wife Raquel, to tell you all about NXT. Kyle, say hello. Dynamite! It's perfect. It's too perfect. So before we get started, we got a couple things to go over before we get to AEW. The first thing is we're going to do a little bit of this day in wrestling history. So Kyle, it is your turn to give us that epic quote from none other than Chris Cumby, and I need you to do it right now. I'll give it a shot. I mean, I'm not, I can't, uh, apparently can't ever reach the echelon that is uh, Chris Cumby, according to him. No one can, so don't feel bad. Yeah, he's the standard, apparently. (laughs) So I'll try to, I'll try to do it uh, as best way. You know, I'll I'll do my best, you know, I'll try to live up to the standard of Chris Cumby. Okay. This day, Okay. I don't know. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's, that's great, Kyle. You did a good job. I'm so proud of you. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I got two things. How do you to feel about that one, Chris? I, <laughs> I can't wait to hear his response. It's going to be great. Today, on October second, nineteen sixty-six, was the birth of Mister Yokozuna from. San Francisco, California. Not in Tokyo, Japan? Not in Tokyo, Japan. He's actually not even Japanese. He's Hawaiian. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, in 2011, eight years ago today, uh, WWE held Hell in a Cell. And I could go over the whole card, but I just want to point out two matches. In the main event, CM Punk and John Cena lost in a Hell in a Cell triple threat match to none other than Alberto Del Rio. Hmm. But earlier on in that show, El Presidente. Uh huh. I said something similar to this a week or two ago. But defending his Intercontinental Championship was none other. Was none other than Mister AEW himself, Cody Rhodes, and he beat John Morrison in seven minutes and twenty seconds. So you just say. We, we should really have a whole discussion on what would have happened if Cody Rhodes would have been a multi-time world champion. Because obviously AEW wouldn't have existed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Stardust wouldn't have happened. So, <laughs> Yeah, which I don't think in, yeah, we, yeah, we won't go in there. We won't go in there. Before we get to AEW Dynamite, one other thing to go over. Kyle was not able to be on our Raw show yesterday. So he's going to give you just a real quick review. Go right on ahead. So these are my thoughts on Raw. Just because it was a big show, we normally wouldn't do something like this. Uh, But like Matt said, I was out. I was actually sick. So uh, pardon my voice for this episode. And uh, but I I did want to give my thoughts on the show since it was kind of the since it was the season premiere of uh, Monday Night Raw. And uh, I missed out on the great discussion that uh, Matt, Chris and our special guest Rain had. Um, So I'm just going to run through the entire show but do it really fast or as fast as I can. So 
Uh, Matt, if you want to clock me, we will uh, try to get through this. And I'm just going to give. Give me a sec. I got to get some points. I'll grab my okay. phone. I'm going to pull up the stopwatch. I'm going to cut you off at five minutes. All right. I'm Here stretching. And stopwatch. And three, two, one, go. Okay. The opening of the show, uh, Brock is awesome. Sorry, Chris. I uh, destroys Rey Mysterio and his son, Dominic. I thought the segment was great. I don't care what Chris says. Uh, but then I thought about it for a little while. And in hindsight, I got to say, in a vacuum, this was great. It was good. It was a lot of destruction. Yeah, it was a good way to start the show. It was different. And just the visuals and everything was great. But what uh, what's going to happen to Rey Mysterio? Uh, what's going to happen to Dominic? What is this setting up? I know the rumor is that it's Cain Velasquez, but... Uh, Ray was kind of the, he had a story going of his, uh, you know, retirement coming out of retirement. And, um, yeah, so I don't really know what the purpose was. So, but all in all, it was an awesome segment. Banks and Bliss, uh, I'm a fan of Alexa, not really a fan of Sasha, uh, but I thought the match was awful. I really was disappointed. Becky was a distraction the entire time. The finish was horrible. Uh, Bliss didn't sell her knee like the entire match, I don't believe. She was distracted by the ghost of Bailey on the outside, apparently. Uh, she got kicked in the knee and killed her because they tried to say that Sasha had the tights, but bliss was pretty much dead when she was pinning her. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I, I don't know if it was cause of the real heat between the two, but they just kind of like they're going through the motions. So it was whatever. I didn't like it. Uh, in the Seth promo, he was a dweeb like normal. Um, he didn't explain any reason why he didn't go help Rey Mysterio, who he said was a legend and that he waited years to have a match against. Uh, so now Rey Mysterio and his teenage son are dead. Now we have Heavy Machinery versus Bobbert and Dolph Ziggler. I actually really like this match. Otis is the man. Tucker's getting better. And Bobbert and Dolph were really good heels. They made uh, Heavy Machinery shine, and uh, I really liked it. Miss TV! Flair and Hulk Hogan are old. But uh, they were great. Uh, they built up a, you know, hyping this match between Flair and Hogan or Team Flair and Team Hogan. Uh, and then they mentioned Crown Jewel. And I said, screw this. Uh, I won't get into politics, but I have a strong feeling on Saudi Arabia and Crown Jewel. And I have felt like the fans did, too, because they seemed to die a little bit after this was announced. Uh, also, I'm pretty sure they were building to another big show coming up. And uh, it seemed like Crown Jewel started to take the spotlight away from Hill in the Cell. So uh, Orton came out and Corbin came two out. Minute, two uh, and a half minutes. Who are you, Justin yes, Robertson? Yes, that's the plan. <laughs> so Rusev's apparently a face now. Uh, no revival. I was kind of wondering why they didn't come help out Orton instead of Corbin. That's kind of weird. And uh, like I said, it's taken away from Hell in a Cell. Viking Raiders versus the OC. That was a good match. Uh, the crowd was a little bit dead to the end, but at least it wasn't 50-50. Uh, Viking Raiders win. Ricochet versus Cesaro. Pew! Yeah, uh, match was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Cesaro, like everybody else said, uh, yeah, I don't know what Cesaro is wearing. Capris and sneakers. Um, yeah, but a good match. Firefly Funhouse. Uh, the puppets were tripping on something. The rabbit died, and Bray was creepy. AJ versus Cedric. Uh, it was a great match. Uh, it's too bad that. This came uh, two weeks after burying Cedric. So who cares anymore? Uh, AJ was great. Street Profits promo. They were hyped. They were excited to tell us that their debut is finally coming uh, to NXT. So uh, I don't know why they're on Raw. Also, The Fiend is now Voldemort. So uh, he is he who must not be named, apparently. 
Lacey Evans versus Natalia. Why was this match here? Uh, should have been on a pay-per-view. Had a crappy finish. Uh, Lacey won. She hit a punch after the match was over because she's heel. Paul Heyman is awesome in his segment. Uh, he's hyping. One minute remaining. He's hyping up SmackDown Fox debut. Uh, yeah, he's great. Maria segment. Rusev is not the father. Cue uh, Mari celebration. Maria leaves and Sasha interrupts, but who cares what she has to say? Main event is Seth Rollins versus Rusev. This was a crazy mess. Corbin and Orton came out to watch for some reason. The match starts. They go to commercial break in a universal title match. Back and forth match. Uh, it's pretty good. Lashley's music hits. Rusev stops and stares. He signals for three times for somebody who obviously didn't want to come out. But finally, Lana's music hits. She hugged Lashley. Rusev looked on angrily, kind of. Lashley and Lana started making out like crazy. Rusev just stood there while a half-naked Ninja Turtle kissed his wife. <laughs> and then he basically had a, the second live sex show on Raw. It went on forever. The music stops, lights go out, Fiend saves us and kills the dweeb, and the show ended. Literally five minutes right now, like as I'm saying that. That is perfectly five minutes. And now I can't edit any of yeah. it because the timing is so perfect. So yeah, luckily I didn't need, I'm it. A I didn't need to edit it. So that is... Yeah, I, I will say, so a couple, just a couple quick whoa, whoa, things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, uh, if you've had your five minutes. No, I'm kidding, go ahead. <laughs> just my overall assessment of the show. Like a new, great. We had drastically stuff. different grades. So go ahead and give us one of your thoughts. So the new, like new stage in the intro, uh, I really liked, um, I thought Skillet was great. I liked uh, the, just the intro. It just reminded me of, of like an old school raw intro and even the pyro, it made the show feel bigger and the stage was cool. So I really liked that. Um, the announced team, I thought Vic Joseph was great. He's awesome. Um, the new guy was fine. Um, but he's new, yeah. but he was definitely, you could tell he was a little bit gun shy on a couple things. Um, they were both better than Corey Graves and Michael Cole bickering during the entire match. And at first I thought King, like he kind of started getting on my nerves, mainly during like the Becky Lynch stuff that, I mean, you guys pointed out, it was a little bit annoying, but I thought there was some bad with him during the show, but there was also some really good stuff. Like when the Lesnar, uh, Lesnar Mysterio thing was going on. He really sold the emotion of that. And um, I, I think it was more that he was kind of, he kept, he was the one that kind of talked more than the other two, maybe, maybe just because he's experienced with it. And so he kind of overpowered them at some points. But for the most part, I thought King was really good um, and kind of was a you know good fit with Vic Joseph. So uh, I hope they get better as a unit. And uh, as the overall show, I thought it was... I thought it was like a C plus show. I thought the presentation was a lot better. Just the content was like, there was just too much stuff that I just, you know, kind of scratched my head at. So overall, I'll give the show a C plus. Okay, cool. There's your five minute plus raw review from Mr. <laughs> Kyle Pauly since he wasn't able to be on raw. And now ladies yeah. and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for. Yeah. Who cares about WWE anymore? <laughs> It is time. They're dead. For A-E-W Dynamite. And yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. When the show opened and I saw Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, or Skiavone, as Chris Jericho used to always call him, uh, live on my television again, I marked out just a little bit. Absolutely did. I was incredibly happy that these two guys were on my TV. I know they're not even wrestlers, but 
Tony Schiavone is the voice of our childhood, right? Jim Ross is the voice of a lot of wrestling fans' childhood. We grew up with Tony Schiavone being WCW fans, so it was really special to see him back on commentary, and I really enjoyed him. Uh, I thought all three of the guys, these two including Excalibur, did a really solid job. I think they're going to have to work on, uh, you know, working together. But I, I really enjoyed it. What did you think of the commentary? There was just something special about turning on TNT Wrestling and hearing Tony Schiavone. Yep. And I actually, I knew that he had been talking to AEW, but I, I don't even remember reading that he was actually going to be on the show. Yeah. So it was actually a surprise to me when I turned it on and heard him. And I was like, oh my God, they actually got Tony Schiavone. Uh-huh. This is great. And I wasn't sure if him and Ross were together. Like I said, I, I came into the show like 10 minutes late, uh, getting home from work. And uh, so, like I said, I, I got in the middle of the Cody Rhodes, uh, Sammy Guevara match and heard them come on. And I was like, oh man, like this is great. And just listening to them work together, they're, they've both been in the role of play-by-play guys. And they kind of stepped over each other a couple times. But for the most part, they really worked well together. Um, and Excalibur did a great job too. So I like this unit. Um, so we'll see. And I thought Tony Schiavone was the best out of the three, honestly. Yeah, I did throughout too. The night. I did too. Uh, there was one spot in this match where they were talking about, I don't know if, if it came too early for you or not, but um, Tony Schiavone said, the last time we were on uh, TNT with our show called Nitro, and that first episode, our first match was Brian Pillman and uh, Jushin Liger. And yes. he talked about that for a second. And then JR said, yeah, we had that in uh, WCW as well. And Tony Schiavone was like, yep. <laughs> that's, like, that's the <laughs> only part of the night where like, I'm like, oh, JR, like how old are you, man? Like, you know, WCW is Nitro, right? So that, that was the only part where I'm like, that's, that was pretty bad. Like, to be fair, if, if Corey Graves and Renee Young did that, I would be burying them right now. And these are two legends. So that was bad, but the rest of the night was he, really good. He also said um, when Pac had come out that he was the man gravity forgot. Yeah. And I think he took, he took pause after he said that and was like, Oh, wait a minute. Is yeah. that a WWE Am I thing? To say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, which I was thinking the same thing, but then I think Shivani pointed out maybe it was on his Twitter yeah. and that it was okay. I think it was, but yeah. 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 So hopefully it is. So, yeah. But, but Cody opened the show with I'm talking man. And I hate that you missed this. This oh, I, saw, I, I did catch the because they replayed the show right after it went off the air. Oh, that's right. So I did rewatch what I missed. Okay. So I, I did get everything. Okay, good. So Cody's pop was absolutely gigantic. He had the same intro that he had it all out where he came from the floor. And it was, yeah. it was really, really cool. I, I, for a minute there, like I'm looking at Brandy's dress and I'm like, is this a reference to something? Because they did Star Trek last time. So I asked my wife, I said, do you notice anything? And she said, no, I think she just likes wearing cool dresses. And I'm like, all right, that's good enough for me. So, and <laughs> Cody Rhodes had on the red, white, and blue, which is cool because they're in DC. So uh, yeah, it was, it, it was, this whole match was really, really good. Um, Tony announced that AEW was the number one and number three uh, trending on Twitter. I actually checked and they were one, three, four, and six, I believe, at, the, at that time. So they had AEW, they had AEW Dynamite, they had All Elite Wrestling, and I'm with AEW. Uh, and NXT weren't far behind. They were seven and eight. So uh, we'll see. As, as social as WWE is, and they push it so much, if AEW really was trending that much, that, that says to me that they'll probably have a better rating. But again, we don't care about ratings, right? We really just want two good shows. But I think it, it might be better than people expect. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I picked a high number. We had a little bit of a, a bet amongst us in our group of how many people would actually watch the show. And I picked the high and I'm really hoping it gets to that because I think that'll make big news if they hit that. And I mean, I'm interested to see, I know the Twitter trends kind of go back and forth. I I like to see what the Google trends are because that tends to be a good indicator of what um, ratings will be. So I wonder like where they placed on that, but uh, I would imagine it'd be pretty high. Yeah. So I said, if if any of you know anything about gambling, I said an over under. So basically, what that means is whatever number I set, Chris and Kyle has to say, "Well, I think it'll be more than that, which is the over, or less than that, which is the under." So I set the number at one point five million, which I think is going to be pretty pretty close. Uh, and Kyle took the over; he actually thinks it's going to be closer to two million. And Chris said he's going to take the under. So we'll we'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm really I'm really interested to see what the results will be of these two shows. Yeah, it might be tough since baseball playoffs are kind of kicking off right now. Yeah. But um, yeah, I still think it could be pretty high. I mean, there's just been so much buzz around AEW. So uh, let's just hope it's pretty high. I hope it's you know a huge success. Yeah. And so let's get to the match. And let me tell you, Cody Rhodes, I mean, I don't know if there's anyone in the game right now. Get it? The game. Anyone mm-hmm. in the game right now that can tell a story inside the ring like Cody can. And I tell you, man, I never watched his Japanese stuff. I haven't watched a single match in New Japan that Cody was a part of. But I've been I watched him in WWE for a long time and I always knew that he was very talented. But boy has he stepped up his game. I mean, this was yeah. just an absolutely wonderful match. Just to give you a couple of the high spots, uh he got, went for a suicide dive on the outside to Sammy Guevara who pulled Brandy in front of him, and he dodged it out of the way. So Cody landed on Brandy. He checked on her for a few minutes. Uh, she said she was okay. Sammy attacked him from behind. And later on, uh, Cody distracts the referee, as every good face does. And Brandy nails Sammy Guevara in the face with her heel, which is usually a heel move. But considering Sammy literally pulled her in the way of her husband... I, I think it was perfectly fine. I, right. I, I think two good guys can absolutely do that because to be a good guy, you don't have to be a freaking dork, Seth Rollins. You don't have to be. You can actually stand up for yourself, and this was really good. There was another yeah, this is a, I'm sorry, go ahead. This this was a spot where – because I had complained um, – I forget what show it was. It was a couple of shows ago. It was maybe one of the first ones um, where Cody – played a really basically he was a baby face coming in and then played heel in the match. And I, I kind of expressed that I didn't really like yeah, that. that against right. And um, yeah, exactly. And the dynamic of that match, I didn't think called for that. And I know Cody had done that style, before, you know, plenty of times. And I've actually seen him live where he was pretty over and still played as the heel. And it was just kind of odd. And so I'd not like that. But here in this match, he was pretty much the baby face the entire way through. And I didn't mind this spot at all because of what you said. Guevara did the heel move and pulled Brainy in front of him. And I mean, by the way, that was a huge pop from the crowd yep. in a in a heel sense because they that's when Guevara really got the heat in the match. And I mean, fans were chanting a hole. They were, you know, really giving it to him after that. And that kind of really turned on, you know, the match um to another level. And uh but yeah, I I didn't mind that at all because when you know Brandy was able to get him back because she retaliated for something that he had done. She didn't just do it because 
you know, of whatever. So I thought it was totally fine, uh, in a, you know, in a storytelling sense and it didn't seem out of character or anything. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. One of my other really favorite spots of this match, and you can tell me if I'm forgetting any, but, uh, and again, telling a story in a match, they started out with a solid wrestling and they, toward the end of the match, they really got into the high spots. And that's something that a lot of wrestlers don't do. And Cedric Alexander and AJ Styles did this very well on Raw this week. So Cody Rhodes gets him up and does a reverse suplex. So basically he puts him in a a reverse DDT and lifts him over from the top rope and almost ends in a cutter, basically. Uh, Then right after that, Sammy Guevara puts Cody up top. And puts his arm around him, and I said, oh my gosh, this is going to be a Spanish fly, which I love. I love Spanish flies. And it was a Spanish fly, and it was absolutely great, and they both looked really strong. Super, super cool. The finish of the match, let's say that we always complain about surprise roll-ups, right? Yeah. The finish of the match is how a roll-up really should be. So Sammy Guevara went for a shooting star press, I believe, right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, went for a shooting star press. Cody got the knees up, and then as you know, Sammy's like on his knees, holding his gut. Cody rolls him up, and in like a a, a cradle, and pins him one, two, three, and it was great. Yeah, I, I really, really I really like the finish. Yeah, I did too. So I, I just this this whole match was so good, and like match of the night for me, man. And there were a lot of good matches on this show. And I just really enjoyed the story of Cody Rhodes being the classic style wrestler versus Mr. High Spot, Sammy Guevara. And they meshed so well. The match lasted, I'm going to say probably 12 minutes because they announced the 10 minute warning and it was just a few more minutes after that. Right. Uh, It was, the whole thing was just really good. Yeah. And I'll I'll tell you this, man, I've said like, I'm a fan of like uh, Adam Page and Kenny Omega, obviously. But honestly, after seeing, you know, the first couple of shows that AEW's put on, I think there's a couple of guys that I can kind of see with like superstar potential. And I know he's not new to the game or anything. He's been around. He's been in WWE. But honestly, I feel like uh, probably only next to like maybe the Young Bucks, but even maybe a little bit more than them, that Cody Rhodes just feels like the top baby face in the company. Absolutely. Like he, he has the look, he, he's, his matches tell the story. I mean, he's not going to go in and have like the crazy athleticism, high spots, even though this match had several high spots, but obviously he, he can't do what like the young bucks can do, but that's okay. He, do, he doesn't have to. Um, but man, when he comes out here and even, I mean, when we get to the main event, we can talk on it more, but, I just see him very much like a, you know, like a sting type baby face to where he's not the best worker in the world, but he's just so charismatic in what he does. And I mean, just the fans are behind him a hundred percent. So I know it might be hard for him since he's kind of the VP of the company to take that flag and be like, you know, I'll be the top baby face. And some people might look down on that, but man, I wouldn't complain at all at this point. Um, I mean, there's plenty of time to build other people up too. But as of right now, I think Cody Rhodes is the biggest babyface in this company and is just a star. Yeah, he definitely, he absolutely has the fan support. And honestly, he he does legitimately just look like a star whenever he's in the ring, whenever he's, you know, giving interviews, whenever he's, you know, talking 
uh, when he's having actual, you know, non kayfabe interviews and yeah. he's talking about the company, he just seems like a, a legitimately nice person that really cares about wrestling, really cares about the fans. And if he doesn't, I'm sure fool me, man, because he legitimately he seems like someone that really cares. Yeah, he, he just has a, a presence about him. He absolutely does. He's an absolute superstar. Yeah. So after the match, Skiavon gets in the ring, and he is he congratulates Cody. They have a hug. Cody, you know, starts to tear up, and uh, before he can interview him, Sammy Guevara gets up and kind of shoves Cody, and Cody's like, "Hold on, Tony. You know, I'll take care of this. No problem." And so he kind of gets in Sammy's face. Sammy holds out his hand, and Cody shakes his hand as the crowd is going nuts. And I'm like, all right, they're not cheering for this. What's happening? And then you see Chris Jericho blindside Cody, and he beats the snot out of him. And Sammy Guevara was so great because as he's walking away, like he made this face where you immediately knew, oh, well, this this was part of it. Like he knew Chris Jericho was coming, or he saw Chris Jericho coming, so he distracted Cody. Either way, still very much a hill. The handshake was for nothing. Yeah, and Jericho also had a little bit of the bubbly T-shirt on. So, <laughs> oh good, I'll be buying one of those. <laughs> Absolutely, it's so good. And so, uh, Chris Jericho beat Cody Rhodes with everything. Everything around the ring. And my favorite spot, and they go to picture in picture here, which was actually really cool. I hate it when SmackDown does it because they go to rest holds and you, you just get distracted. But there was so much going on, you could actually still pay attention to the wrestling and you didn't need to hear anyone talking or any, any of the action. Uh, so Cody, he's like beating up Cody. I'm sorry, Chris Jericho's beating up Cody with everything. And at one point, Cody's in the ring. Chris Jericho leaves the ring grabs like this guy's professional camera, gets in the ring and takes a selfie with the camera with Cody in the back down. It was so good and so funny. He set up some chairs on the outside of the ring. He powerbombed Cody into him. He hit him with a chair. It it was just so good. This segment was absolutely great. And yeah, it went on really long. So I think if it wasn't during a commercial break, I might've been like, all right, I love Chris Jericho, but we need to move on. But it basically took up the time of a commercial break. And it was absolutely perfect. Yeah, I'm. I wasn't a f- fan necessarily of the picture in picture. I thought it was fine um, in some parts. I just think they need to find a better place for it. I, I feel like they started the brawl, and Chris Jericho was like, you know, giving it to Cody, and you know, hit uh, the code breaker on him, and you know, you, they were kind of talking like they were about to go to commercial, and I was like, well, this is a bad time to go to commercial, and then it did the picture in picture. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But then, like you said, it went through the entire commercial break beat down, but it was kind of, at least it was hard for me to, and it might be because I have four dogs around me in the living room that I'm babysitting tonight. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I like picked up my phone and looked at it for a second, like just checking my phone and just hearing the commercial in the background and no, obviously no sound coming from the, um, from the actual video. It was kind of hard for me to keep my attention on it. And then, um, like I, I kind of just, you know, something else would catch my attention and then I'd almost forget that he was going on and I'd look at the TV and I'd be like, Oh yeah, they're doing this now. And so I, I kind of had to try and make myself pay attention to it. And then it, like, I wasn't a fan. It was, I mean, I agree. It was kind of funny that Jericho grabbed the camera and all that. Um, but I don't know. I feel like they should have kept it live here and like 
had Jericho do a good beat down, very similar to how he did to uh, Hangman Page and make it shorter. Um, but I mean, for what it was, I thought, I guess it was okay. Um, but yeah, I, I prefer them to do the picture in picture in different spots, maybe during entrances or, you know, something like that. Cause they did it a couple times tonight and it wasn't awful, Yeah, but it was kind of hard for me when they did it to kind of stay, you know, cause most of the time there was something semi important going on. And, um, so yeah, I, I would like to see them try to do it in different spots and see if it works any better. Okay. But, um, but yeah, it was it. It does beat WWE's version, which is basically do a quick match, end it, go to commercial, and then wait for like five minutes to restart the match. So yeah, yeah, that it's was better terrible. than that for sure. I'm, yeah. I'm so glad we're past that. But yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you. I almost always record SmackDown, and I always fast forward the picture in picture stuff. So I don't really yeah. like it. But but like I think tonight's it didn't bother me as much because. There was still action going on. Usually on SmackDown, the few times I have watched it, because sometimes I watch it live, they they do like that's their time to rest, which is fine. But I don't know, like during the Reho Nyla Rose, they had a picture in picture, and we'll get to that match in a minute. But like re- some really big spots still happened, so I don't know. I I thought it was pretty cool, um, and, and it's better than just going to commercial and missing it. Yeah, I thought the one during the Hangman Page match was pretty well timed. It seemed yeah. like more of a Classic WWE one where there's a big spot to the outside and one man's down and they're like, all right, took commercial break real quick. And right. then that way it is like a little bit of a break during the match, but you can still see what's going on. And yeah. they did stay down for a minute and it kind of let commercials run and you could kind of get up and do something if you needed to. So yeah, I thought yeah. that one was pretty successful, uh, but it's fine. It's, you know, it wasn't something that completely distracted me from the show. Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. So our next match is MJF versus Brandon Cutler. And Brandon Cutler, apparently, they... And I didn't know who the guy was. Like, I've seen him on Being the Elite and stuff, but, like, I don't really have a big knowledge of Brandon Cutler. And apparently, he broke into the into the business with the Young Bucks. And he retired to start a family and, I guess, go do something else for work. And then he tried to start wrestling again. And uh, so the Bucks, have, I, I guess, essentially signed them to AEW as an enhancement talent. You know, yeah. uh, maybe he'll do more than that. Um, I did like his Dungeons and Dragons related stuff. I just recently started playing Dungeons and Dragons, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and it gives some, you know, a lot of the guys are doing video game stuff, and I'm a huge gamer, and I've been a gamer since I was like three years old. But you know, a lot of them are doing that, right? So it's cool just to have someone do something else and show his his nerd card. Um, this match wasn't great. Um, tell me a little bit about MJF's promo, and then go into the match a little bit. Well, obviously MJF came out. He kind of introduced himself to the world, which is great. Uh, obviously, he's his strength is on the mic. Uh, he definitely got the crowd against him. They love to hate him. Uh, they were chanting a hole at him. Uh, so he's just cutting his promo. He's walking down the aisle, just tearing apart um, Mr. Cutler, and you know, insulting him for uh, being a Dungeon Dragon player and saying, "I'm better than you, and you know it." Was uh, his catchphrase. And also the announcers did a good job of explaining who Cutler was. And cause uh, I was kind of, I saw him and I thought he was the guy that, you know, was on being the elite who got the contract from the uh, young bucks, but I didn't know much about him. And so they did a good job of telling me who he was. And also when NGF came out and said, you're a Dungeons and Dragons player. I was kind of like, yeah, I can see that. Uh, so he was a skinny bald dude, but you know what? He did pretty good. And I, I thought the match was okay. 
Um, it was basically there to put over MJF. Um, and, you know, he came out and kind of dominated the match early. Definitely like the superior wrestler uh, and the, you know, the, the stronger of the two. And Cutler, you know, was able to get some offense in here and there, but then MJF would kind of cut him off. But obviously MJF is cocky. He's a prick, as Tony Schiavone kept calling him. So, uh, you know, they kept, uh, he would, uh, he kept yelling, like he yelled at Cutler and said, look in the camera and tell your kid to, you're a bum. So he was just like getting heat the entire match. And obviously that gave uh, Cutler a little bit of an opening. He was able to come back. Um, he did a dive on the NJF and punched him in the mount, which was, that was a pretty cool spot. Uh, almost like a Thez press. And um, uh, they were got in the ring and they kind of, I think MJF pushed him up against uh, the referee and he was able to sneak in a low blow. And I thought it was really well hidden. And, um, or no, he, he snuck in a cheap shot behind the ref's back and then locked in the Fujiwara armbar and was able to pick up the win. So I thought it was a good match for um, MJF to get some heat. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, it was okay as a match, but as far as getting MJF over as the big heel, I thought it, you know, did its job. And that absolutely did its job and you're not wrong at all. Yeah. It's just the, the match didn't last very long and that's fine. You're not going to like basically every other match tonight went, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. So it, it is absolutely fair that they had a short match and I think that they need to have more of these. Like, I'm not saying have three minute, nothing squash matches, but I do think that there is something to be said about having a wrestling match last five or six minutes to get one of your upcoming stars over. And that absolutely happened here with MJF. And I loved it. I thought it was absolutely, it it absolutely did its job. Yep. I agree. So we go to commercial and come back and Chris Van Vliet is ringside with Jay and silent Bob. Kevin Smith and Jason Muse. Muse, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So they start talking about the new Jay and Silent Bob, which stars Chris Jericho. Kevin Smith made a joke about how Chris Jericho plays a bad guy in the movie, and he didn't know he was typecasting him. Ha, 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 ha. Um, and then Jack Evans and Angelico come out, and they kind of get in their face, which makes absolutely no sense. Uh, but Private Party comes out. And they're like, yo, guys, they're with us. And Jack Evans and Helico kind of back off. And that was that. And it was kind of weird, right? Yeah, this was a really weird. I, I liked Chris Van Vliet. I thought he did a great job as He's like awesome. a, yeah, as, you know, a ringside announcer or even if they use him like for any backstage. We didn't really, I don't think we saw any backstage segments. So that means something different uh, on the show. But as a ringside or just like an announcer, I thought Van Van Vliet did a really good job. Um, and I thought Smith and uh, Kevin Smith and Mewis did pretty good, you know, just kind of yeah. obviously plugging their movie, but also, you know, saying like, you know, they, they fans of the product. And I definitely know Kevin Smith was there the entire show. He wasn't like they, you know, did the WWE thing where they put him in the front row and then got him out there, you know, for five minutes and then took him back. Uh, like he stayed and watched the whole show. So um, I do think they're legit fans and Kevin Smith's a big nerd anyway. So, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of his, but it was strange that obviously they want to get, you know, they wanted to get some of the tag teams out here, but it was strange that they came out. They just, they, you know, talked to him for a minute. Uh, Jason Mewis, you know, said, you guys can't even win a match. And they got all mad and then fleet didn't really know what to do. And then 
private party came out, you know, and they just kind of walked through, they clumsily like walked through, you know, past a couple of people and handed Jay and Silent Bob some drinks. And they're like, yeah, we're with them. And, uh, Evans and, uh, uh, and Helico. Yeah. Uh, Jack Evans and Helico, they, they backed off and, um, private party just like turned around and walked out. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay. It was really uh, strange. Yeah. This might've been something they probably could have done in the back and done a little bit cleaner, but yeah, it, it was a way to just introduce them. And I, I don't even think they're wrestling in the tag team tournament. Are they? Uh, and Helico and Jack Evans are not in the tag team tournament, which makes sense because they haven't won a single match. So, right. So, but it was just strange because they talked about private party being in the tournament and which they are. Yeah. And so I, I, they said it and I was like, okay, well, they're going to have a match obviously. And then they showed the bracket and I was like, oh yeah, they're not in it. Evans yeah. and uh, Angelico. I was like, so what, what was the point of that? I mean, maybe they're going to interfere or something. I mean, we'll see, but it was, you know, kind of strange, but. I think it was just to introduce characters to a new audience. I really do. I don't think there was anything more than that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they could have done a better job if that was the goal, but. You know, it was fine. Um, but after that, uh, I, I will say they, they had a pre-recorded promo with Scorpio Sky, yep, um, Frankie Kazarian, and Christopher Daniels. And uh, Scorpio Sky, they were they were in front of the White House in D.C. And uh, Kazarian and Daniels were dressed up as Secret Service members. And Scorpio <laughs> Sky did a really good Obama impression. A really good one. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and then, of course, he did the... Uh, this must be the worst town. I forget what it is exactly. This is the worst town I've ever been in. Exactly. So did it for you. They, yes. So they did that number and uh, it was great. Uh, and then in a kind of odd segue, they just cut to the arena and they're standing there at the top of the ramp. And I was, <laughs> I know, like, was so weird. Huh? Okay. Yeah. And so, but it was okay. <laughs> it's a little strange, but they, so they cut another promo and, uh, you know, they were, were fine. And then all of a sudden Phoenix and Pentagon come out in suits, which is also strange to see, but you know, great. The crowd goes crazy. They grab the mic and Phoenix says, uh, you know, we're the best tag team in the world because, and he hands the mic over to Pentagon and he says, Matt. Zero. Miato. Oh yeah. And the crowd loved it. And of course, SCU right after that, did the SCU? chant and uh then they got mad at each other because apparently they don't like each other's catchphrases and they started punching each other they had a pull apart brawl that was uh, a little uh lackadaisical but you know it was fine <laughs> i've seen better pull apart brawls is all i could say um well there was one part where like uh pentagon like breaks free and it's going for i think it's christopher daniels yeah. And like, gives like some of the weakest punches I've ever seen. <laughs> and like, it's a swim technique, basically. It was, it was so bad. And so I'm sitting there like, if you don't want your wrestlers to look stupid, either legitimately hold them back, don't let them break free, or when they break free, you got at least throw a couple punches. Like, Christopher Daniels and Frank Gazarian, whichever one it was, they absolutely have been in the business long enough to know how to sell a punch. Okay. Right. So let him sell the punch. That that and again, Pentagon, one of my favorite wrestlers right now. Absolutely love the Lucha Brothers, but that it was it was bad, and it was right in front of the camera too. Yeah, they if they wanted to get Phoenix and Pentagon over, they probably should just let him wrestle it like in the main event or something, because that would have been great. But uh, 
yeah. First, I did notice the Pentagon swim technique that he was doing on um, Daniels. And then also uh, probably my favorite part of the uh, brawl and not for the right reason. Uh, Kazarian <laughs> somehow got pushed over to the other side, the heel side, uh, when they were trying to push Phoenix and Pentagon back into the tunnel. He got like trapped in between them. So he's kind of like flailing around trying to fight out of it. And then he ended up out of the pile and just like standing at the entrance. He just kind of standing there for a minute and he was like, whoa, he like stumbled back and then went to his side. It's like, it's like he got caught uh, accidentally in the, in the wave that was trying to get pushed into the, uh, the heel entrance. And uh, yeah, he just kind of got trapped there. It was pretty funny. Uh, pretty but yeah, funny. as far as a pull apart brawl, it was not that great. Um, no. And also, I'm pretty sure they're not wrestling each other in the tag team tournament. So yeah, they're definitely not. They're, yeah, they're on the other side, side of the bracket. Yeah. So I was like, well, what is going on here? Why are they, you know, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was what it was. Yeah. So I don't really know why. I'm assuming what will probably happen is, I mean, if this was WWE booking, it would be obvious. And I'd be like, these two guys will be in the, or these two teams will be in the finals. But that's not necessarily uh, how it's going to be because this is AEW and they consistently shock us. And we're like, this is not WWE booking. It's it's a different way to do wrestling. So, well, um, I mean, if that's not the case, they'll definitely be wrestling each other very soon, though. Absolutely. I, I, that's a fine line to tread, though, because <clears throat> obviously uh, it, it's one thing to, you know, to be kind of ambiguous about where you're going and stuff. And WWE does a lot of stuff where they'll put two people together and obviously you think they're going to have a match. And some people might say that's predictable, but um, at the same time, like I get that they want to be kind of ambiguous about it, but I think it should make a little bit more sense. I mean, if they're going to have a match, you know, on the next show, maybe next week, then that's great. So we'll see. Um, But if it leads to nothing and they're just trying to get these two put together, it's kind of more like the, I mean, Vince Russo used to surprise a lot of people with what he did, but it wasn't because it was good. You know, yeah. I'm not saying this is Vince Russo level booking at all, but I hope it makes sense down the road. Cause it, like I said, it, you would think my, at least my first thought was that they were opponents in the tag team tournament. And then by seeing the bracket, I'm like, okay, well then they're not, <laughs> what are they doing interacting? So my guess is, like I said, they're going to have a match next week, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't know. I don't know if they're going to have, these guys wrestle each other. Like the, the people in the bracket wrestle each other until the tournament starts. But I, don't, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, we go to commercial break and then we come back and we've got Chris Jericho talking to the former members of LAX Ortiz and Santana. And it was just, it was just a really cool little segment. I mean, nothing really happened. He was just, you know, basically strategizing with them, but it made it seem like a sporting event, right? Like a, a coach in the in you know the back giving you know hyping his boys up. I, I again, it was just a, a little thing, but I thought it really added to the show. Did you like this? Yeah, um, I was fine with it. Um, it was it was a little strange because Jr. He apologized for eavesdropping on their conversation, but yeah, it was um, but I mean, <clears throat> for what it was, I thought it was you know a little nice segment, like you said. Um, I mean, I think it could have had a little bit more of a, it, it was similar to a WWE style thing, but I mean, that is, they do it in UFC as well, where they, they'll show like a fighter getting ready for their match. You know I mean? That's totally understandable. So like getting a small view into the locker room, um, they did it really quickly. 
um, which is fine as well. I don't see a problem with it, but I could see, you know, that also being a time where you could maybe do a little bit something more. Um, but I mean, it was fine. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's, it's a good, like sneak peek kind of into what maybe they're doing before a match or something. So yeah. And it was good. Like, again, there wasn't much to it, but it was just really good. Yeah. Um, speaking of really good, nice segue there. We've got Adam Page versus Pac. And I love this match. And as I'm watching, I'm like, maybe this is ma- this will be match of the night for me. Then I'm like, no, the Cody match was just so good. But this was everything that I wanted it to be. And e- everyone that's watched Pac as Neville for years and years on 205 Live, especially his matches with Austin Aries, gosh, you know the guy is good. And, you know... I've watched a little bit of Hangman Page, but I'd be lying if I said that, you know, I've watched dozens of Hangman Page matches. Uh, and the guy's just good. This whole this whole match was really, really cool. Uh, Pac sold the crap out of everything Hangman did to him. And most of the match, Pac was actually, you know, beating up on Hangman because Hangman's the face. Right. It was really, really cool. You want to tell us a little bit about the match and tell us about the finish? Yeah, uh, I mean, the crowd was on fire for this whole match. I'm obviously a fan of Hangman. Uh, love his entrance and just like love his look and his style. Um, and Pac always does a great job. He was, you know, a good heel in this match. Uh, they, the crowd had a, you know, love booing Pac. You know, he was like very similar to MJF. You know, they kind of love to hate him here. And uh, and I kind of like the story of this match as well. Similar to you saying Cody is a good storyteller. I thought this was a good storytelling match. But yeah, I mean, I, I really I really enjoyed this match. I mean, the crowd was you know into it from the start. They were red hot. They and they were booing the you know the crap out of Pac. They you know it was very similar to MJF. They loved to hate this guy, uh, and he was dominant on offense. And I I felt like the announcers were able to follow this match a little bit more and give it a little bit more story. Um, they were saying stuff like, um, you know, Pac slowed it, the, you know, had a deliberate pace to the match. He was, uh, slowing things down, just punishing page. And, uh, they were saying, you know, they, you know, they were, he, he might be giving page a chance to come back at it almost. And, you know, kind of, you know, hinting at that, that he was just kind of, you know, being a bastard like he is. And, you know, he would, uh, you know, just kind of slowed everything down and, you know, just kind of working his heel. But, um, it, uh, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, the finish came when, you know, hangman kind of got, uh, kind of got going and, you know, was putting a hurting on Pac and, uh, they were able to, um, page was actually able to get, um, Pac against the ropes and he was, you know, mashed up against Earl Hebner. And that's when Pac gave him a low blow, you know, and Earl Hebner wasn't able to see. And that basically, it was a good way to show that like page was clearly in control and Pog basically had to, you know, cheat and do something dastardly to, you know, take the advantage. And so when he took the advantage, he's, you know, good competitor. So he took over. Um, he uh, was able to get up on the top rope and hit a red arrow on page uh, who was on his stomach. And so that was, you know, sick looking. And then so he good. immediately, yeah, immediately put him in the brutalizer and uh, Hebner did ring the bell pretty early, but uh, or at least I didn't see him tap. I thought he was, you know, just kind of screaming. And then, um, yeah, I don't think he tapped. I, th- I think that supposedly, you know, he was like out or whatever. well, he did kind of slump down after the bell ring. So I think yeah. he was supposed to go out, but um, 
but yeah, but it was a good match. Uh, I I didn't like to see Adam Page go down 0 and 2 in uh, AEW because they are keeping records. But Pac is now 2 and 0, and they definitely seem like they're building him up to be a big heel. Yeah, but yeah, really good match, and it's one of my favorite matches of the night for sure. Yeah, it was really really solid. Matter of fact, when uh, when Pac hit the red arrow. My wife, who's actually been watching a lot of wrestling with me as of late, she literally said, whoa, that was cool. And it was it's very different. Like the the way he contorts his body and spins is not something that you see every day. Right. Like shooting star presses are incredible to watch, but we've seen dozens of guys do it. Not everyone can do that. And it's, it's very unique and it's unique to Pac. Um, yeah, the match was absolutely incredible. I'm okay with Hangman Page going down with 0-2. And, and the only reason is because his two losses were too major losses that you have Chris Jericho who is an absolute legend and is the world heavyweight champion. And you have Pac who I believe is going to get a huge push here pretty soon. So I didn't really have a problem with that. I just want him. I don't want him to continue losing, you know, right. like Kenny Omega. Probably okay. If he loses, I'm fine. If he loses to John Moxley, even uh, I just, I don't want him to continue losing. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they're big stars and they need to get some wins. Riho and Nyla Rose to become the inaugural AEW Women's Champion is up next. Dr. Britt Baker came out, which is cool. She sat on commentary. She did not speak much. <laughs> she didn't do anything, really. Great. No, she's not exactly. She's not a commentator. Um, you know what? She was fine. She was just fine. She wasn't bad. And as long as she doesn't take away from the match, because we've seen people on commentary in WWE take away from matches. And it's very rare when you get that CM Punk or Kevin Owens that can sit on commentary, Daniel Bryan, and make the match better. Right. And and she did not do that at all. Yeah. It, you know, they show her a couple times. She's going to be a – she's supposedly a big superstar. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'll, I'll let you talk fine. in a second. Um, she's going to be a big superstar, one of the biggest in the women's division. And so she was basically out there to scout her opponents. Yeah, and – I mean, we all know that, you know, they're, they're kind of targeting her to be someone in, you know, division, but I mean, I don't, I, I kind of don't understand why she wasn't in this match um, because I think it would make more sense for her to go up against Nyla and win the title first, because it seems like obviously they, they want her, like I said, to be the, one of the big stars in the women's division. But I mean, the first couple of shows she's been on, she hasn't really looked like it because they've made her lose pretty much every match she's been in. So when she came out, I was just kind of like, really? Like, I get like you want her to be this, but you haven't put her in the position to be that. So it was just kind of strange. And then she, like I said, didn't really contribute. And then after the match was over, she pulled a Seth Rollins and just left <laughs> and uh, didn't yep. help, you know, the other baby face who's getting attacked by the beast. So I was just kind of like, why was she even out there? Like, it was just kind of, and I, and I don't know if <laughs> this is probably read a little bit too much into it. And obviously she's probably, a fan of, you know, the, you know, Cody Rhodes and everybody uh, in the VP chair, but she did kind of say when she's leaving, she's like, yeah, next time I'm out here, I want to be in that ring. And she kind of, you know, dropped the mic at that point and walked out. But yeah, that, that was a good line. Yeah, it was a good line. Uh, it was probably a little bit of truth to it. So, um, but yeah, it was, I don't know. How, how did you feel about this match? I, I was kind of not too big of a fan of it. I thought the match was just okay. Um, Honestly, and, and again, I hadn't even heard of Nyla Rose until AEW. She botched a couple times in this match, and 
there were so many really cool spots in this match that could have ended it. Like, uh, if Nyla was going to win that Death Valley driver, like, I don't know what her finisher is. So I'm like, oh my gosh, that has to be it. Right. And I, I was rooting for Riho, and I marked when Riho uh, kicked out of that. Yeah. Because I really thought that was the end of the match. Then the match was really weird. It was like a double knee to the face. And I don't know. I feel like Riho did so many other things that looked much cooler. It's the, the ending came like kind of out of nowhere for me. So, like, I literally, when it, they counted to three, I was like, oh, really? So... I don't know. I thought the match was was solid, but I didn't think the match was great. Uh, do I think it's better than any WWE match that di- doesn't include one of the four horsewomen? Yeah, probably. I mean, I, it reminded me a lot of when Alexa Bliss went up against Nia Jax, and I mean, we had you know talked about this being um, it was kind of like Alexa was you know she was like a flea fighting an elephant, like, right? like Riho is tiny. She's short and she's also, I mean, at least Kyrie's saying she's short, but she's got, you know, definition to her body. Like Riho is like a short twig, which right. I mean, it makes her the ultimate underdog. Uh, but Nyla is a big person. And uh, yes, not only, huge. not only like were they, you know, size difference, Nyla didn't really, she kind of worked light. Like she didn't really like, land big punches or just like throw Riho around like, you know, some other beast we know would be doing. She'd, she'd kill her. Yeah. Riho is legitimately 98 pounds. <laughs> like those, like I feel like if Riho like stomped on my back, I don't even know if I would feel it. And I'm not like this huge dude. Well, when she did the so, spot where, I mean, it was pretty cool where, you know, uh, Nyla was on her back and Riho ran to the ropes to do a double stomp on her back. And she just yeah. lifted up on her and knocked her down. Yeah. Like that was, that really was cool. like a good spot where it's like, okay, it didn't like a phaser and it probably shouldn't like that looked real, you know, um, and I could buy into that, but the rest of it, like her, you know, landing elbows on Nyla and Nyla selling them. And there's some other, I mean, there were cool spots in the match. Um, don't get me wrong. And, uh, but it's, there was just a lot of unbelievability with Riho being able to, to, you know, take it to Nyla. Um, but at the same time, the crowd was really into this match. They were behind Riho, definitely. And to their credit, and it still like, was a little strange to me. And like you said, it was kind of a weird finish with the double stomp being the finish. But I was surprised that Riho picked up the win here. Um, like I wasn't expecting her to win. Like I saw her come out. surprised. Right. And I was kind of like, well, Nyla's going to kill this girl, and she's going to go up against Britt Baker. But Yeah. That's I mean, what I expected, too. Yeah, but, I mean, Riho ended up winning, which, I mean, it's fine. There was a really cool spot where uh, Nala Rose tried to attack Riho with a chair, and the referee's like, oh, no, you don't, and takes it out of her hands. So Nala goes, screw you, and grabs like six chairs and piles them up right outside of the ropes, right in the, or right outside of the ring in the entranceway. Right. And the ref's yelling at her, and so she takes Riho and sits her on the chairs, and my wife literally says, oh, no, she's going to kill her. <laughs> and I said, no, she moved out of the way, and she said, are you sure? As yes, it'd be fine. So Nyla does a forward flip from the apron. Riho moves and Nyla lands on these six chairs. It looked really friggin' cool. And, and the announcers kept saying, like, when especially when she got the chair, she's like, I mean, surely this is going to be a disqualification. And, I mean, yeah. I've said in our past reviews of AEW, they kind of are similar to TNA in that they they don't make a clear, you know, line of what the rules are. And, right. I mean, I was I was sitting there. I'm like, well, you would think she'd be disqualified, but I mean, will she? It's kind of hard to tell. But 
the referee took the chair from her. And then, like you said, she got like six chairs and then she got up on the apron and the announcers are still kind of like, she's going to get disqualified here. And so I was thinking, well, if they're trying to play that, then either a Nyla's going to kill Riho, but disqualify herself and lose the title she's competing for, or B she's going to land on a bunch of chairs and hurt herself. So there's a right. lose, lose situation for Nyla. Right. Uh, she, she took the ladder, not the ladder, but the latter and, uh, Flipped under the chairs and uh, hurt herself. So yeah, she did. It was a cool spot, but it was just kind of, you know, didn't make sense uh, in an offensive yeah. move. It's similar to yeah. Braun Strowman running into the turnbuckle. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I feel like this would have been a better match if it were with different people. Like, because like I said, Rio is so tiny and skinny and Nile is big and she, the story of the match was fine, but it just wasn't believable to me with who they were. Yeah. But it was fine. And the okay. crowd was into it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun. And after the match was over, Michael Nakazawa comes out. Awesome. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Sorry. Michael Naka, 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 Nakazawa. And he uh, introduces Riho as the first AEW women's champion. He and he says, I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm just saying, no, he was great. Like just says, he was, he's fantastic. He's absolutely incredible. And he says, for our Japanese viewers, I'm going to say in Japanese. And as he's saying that, Nyla clobbers him and just absolutely destroys him. She attempts to do a sit-out powerbomb and, like, kind of drops him. And that's, like, her third third botch of the night. Like, she made a few mistakes. But she didn't let it phase her. And she just did it again. And it looked awesome. Right. Like, it looked really, really good. Then she starts to attack Riho. And, like, one of the referees is, like, trying to drag Riho out of the ring and Kenny Omega comes out for the save. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, is he going to attack Nyla? Because you know that you talk about a mixed mixed gender match, right? Like I don't think AEW is going to go there right now, but I'm like, is he going to attack her? And uh, she kind of got in his face and turned around and walked away. And it, it was, it was a little weird. And, and one thing that really bothered me, and I said this to my wife during the show Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega both came out for different reasons in the show before the main event, which I have no issue with at all. But I feel like it kind of took away from their pop during the main event. So because, you know, when, you fir- when you're there live and you first see this superstar, you have this huge pop. And they both got gigantic pops. But I think it did kind of take away from the main event just a little bit. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, and especially since Kenny Omega came like he was like the next person out afterwards. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with that. And, yeah. and I was kind of thinking, you know, it might have been better because uh, they took the commercial break when Jericho was fighting with um, Cody Rhodes earlier. And I kind of feel like maybe that's something they should have done in a backstage segment because that way you could have done that. You could have had a more controlled and more, you know, after a commercial break maybe of Jericho attacking Cody Rhodes. And that way you also right. save him from putting him in front of the crowd. Um, exactly. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. And AEW's come out and said – we don't want to do a lot of backstage stuff. We want to do our stuff in the ring. But I think it's okay to have a couple backstage things. Like, you don't want it to be half your show. Like, I hate being at a show live, and they have, like, you know, a hardcore match, and they fight in the ring for two minutes, and they fight in the backstage area for 15 minutes. It sucks. Right. But it's okay to have a short segment, especially if you're going to see this specific wrestler later on in the night. I think that's fine. Yeah. So, uh, to your main event. 
We have Chris Jericho and LAX, Ortiz and Santana. I'm not sure what they're going to be called in AEW. Versus the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, the Elite. And uh, Kenny Omega came out to Superkick Party with Matt and Nick Jackson. That being, was fine. Being the Elite theme song. Mm-hmm. Yep, perfectly fine. No issues. Uh, Ortiz and Santana came out, and then Chris Jericho came out. Uh, they all got big pops. So, I mean, it wasn't, you know, like I said, it didn't actually destroy their pops. It just, I feel like it probably would have been bigger. That's what I'm saying. Right. So, um, this match was really good. It did not go as expected at all. Um, the the first section of the match was very, very short. Uh, one of the cool things that happened is um, LAX got thrown out of the ring, but Kenny Omega was distracted, so... Jericho came in and was going to put the walls on uh, Omega, but after, as soon as he locked it in, he got double super kicked by uh, the Young Bucks, and I thought that was really cool. Um, but what, about like five or six minutes into this match, we had a uh, big surprise, and John Moxley shows up. So it was it was pretty quick, right? I'm not imagining that. Yeah, no, it was, it was pretty early on in the match, and uh, yeah. it was kind of cool because uh, Kenny Omega... It, it, there was a lot going on and th- there was a flurry of dives from the young bucks and uh, Kenny Omega basically, you know, was getting ready for a dive. He took his, you know, kneel in this, you know, in the ring, similar to the, the Terminator, the kneel. And so he was kind of getting ready and he sat there for a while and I was kind of like, okay, this is like a little bit of the Japanese posing a lot, you know, it was just kind of strange. Yeah. But then I figured, figured out uh, very shortly it was for a reason because in comes John Moxley and they had an awesome, this is very WWE-esque of having the right camera view. I mean, they, they really yeah. planned this out and, and it paid off because Moxley sneaks in and he's just standing over Omega's shoulder and Omega slowly stands up and he realizes with the crowd going crazy, he's like, something's not right here. He's uh-huh. he, he's He's been a wrestling fan for a long time, so he, he knows. And so he slowly starts to turn and immediately John Moxley just elbows him in the face and they start attacking each other and they brought into the crowd uh, they eventually make their way up to the VIP area, they said. And I was kind of like, what kind of VIP? They're on the floor <laughs> in the back of the arena, like not a box seat. There's a bunch of couches behind this curtain. I don't know what kind of VIPs they gypped out of a spot here. <laughs> uh-huh. Very strange. But it was a cool little set. Um, they had like couches and there's a glass coffee table. And I, I don't know about you, Matt, but as soon as I saw that glass coffee table, I was yep, like, I did too. Somebody's going through that thing. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, Moxie throws Omega into the door several times and he picks him up and he gets ready for the, uh, the dirty deeds or the, uh, what's it's it called? It's a death now? rider. The, like it was, death it was a rider. lifted dirty deeds. Yeah. Right. So he picks him up and slams Omega right on his head through the glass coffee table. looks like it hurt. I mean, my God, he landed like I, I legitimately thought he was hurt here. Yeah, because he his neck kind of contorted. It was it was rough. Yeah, uh, it looked brutal. And then Moxley was yelling, uh, yelling in the camera, like "Talk now" or something like that. So I thought it was good. Um, and then uh, they, they went to commercial break then as well, didn't they? Like they pretty did. soon after that. And then we came back in the. At this point, Kenny Omega is out of the match basically. So it's Young Bucks going against uh, Ortiz, Santana, and Jericho. And I actually like this dynamic in the match because the Young Bucks were really able to take a beating here, but then really show their stuff at the same time when they started making their comeback. So right. basically, uh, Omega was out of commission. So um, like like I said, they, you know, they took most of the heat here. 
And uh, but once they got going, they started, you know, doing their uh, cool moves. Basically, uh, I think it was Nick who came in after Matt Jackson made the hot tag and he just went wild and they really pumped up the crowd. And uh, they set up for the uh, the Meltzer driver. Um, but then the, obviously the numbers game like kind of took advantage here. Uh, Jericho came in and caught uh, Nick in the code breaker. I think it was Nick caught him in the code breaker off the ropes and uh, then Alex were basically able to come in and attack Matt. And that's when they uh, set him up for the uh, Judas effect. Chris Jericho knocked him out and he was able to pin, uh, pin Matt Jackson and uh, they won the match. So yeah, um, yeah I thought it was good for what it was like, you know, for, for what it was for uh, the young bucks being able to shine a little bit. And obviously they're not going to be able to beat the champion and two other guys is tall task with Omega being hurt. So I enjoyed that story of the match. It made sense. Yeah. The only thing that really bothered me is like, why was there no disqualification? So I don't know. Again, it's a different promotion, but in right. WWE, it would always, always have been a disqualification. So I don't know. Like you're literally, it's a three on three match. And someone that's not in the match literally dragged one of the three guys from one team away to essentially make it a handicap match. So I don't know why that wasn't a disqualification. And it, it bothered me a little bit, but I mean, I guess you could say, you know, referee discretion, right? He didn't, didn't want the main event of the first show to be a disqualification. Well, it, it altered the entire course of the match. So it's kind of, yeah, it did. <laughs> I mean, and that's, like I said, it's, it's supposed to be like a sport. I mean, that's what they're pushing it as. So right. that bothered me a little bit. Either way, it's not that it wasn't entertaining. Right, right. It was just weird. And like, like I said, that's that's one thing that's bothered me about AEW is that they haven't made like clear cut rules. I mean, if every match, especially like a main event, I mean, in UFC, uh, basically, it's it's known that every match on the card is like a three, unless it's a title fight, there are three round fights until the main event. The main event is always five rounds. Or if it's a title match, it's five rounds. It's like a, right. always given. So if AEW always kind of made a given, hey, the main event is no disqualification or something. Like give us something that we can follow along with and know that this is the rule. Because I mean, if I was sitting at home and watching with my girlfriend or a friend that doesn't know this, and they're like, why is that guy attacking him? And how could you get away with that? I mean, I'm like, I would not be able to tell them anything because I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I have no idea. It should be illegal, yeah. but apparently it's not. So they should definitely make it clear in some point and i mean tell the announcers let them do it you don't even have to have like a written down rule just let them be be able to say and a lot of times it confuses the announcers too because like i said in the nyla, nyla rose match they were thinking she was going to get disqualified for using the chairs at all so right that's kind of been one of my biggest complaints on AEW is um they do a lot of this stuff where the matches get dicey and mm-hmm. don't explain why they're getting away with it and that was a big yeah. thing that TNA used to do that kind of, you know, was not very well done. So yeah. WCW did that just an obnoxious amount right when they, right before they died. Right. Like it, it became really ridiculous where something stupid was happening in basically every match. And, and to be fair, it even happened a little bit in the attitude era. Right. So, you know, you don't want to, you know, say, Oh, this is just an AEW issue, but I, I do think it's fair to, you know, we, they're a new company. But it's not fair to say, oh, this is AEW, they're a new company, let's give them a pass, we really enjoy it. But if it was WWE, we'd bury it to heck and back. Right. So, to be fair, it was kind of dumb. And I'm sorry. I still loved it. I love John Moxley showing up, he got a huge pop. I love the 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 Death Rider through the 
the glass table. It looked awesome. I hope to the good Lord that uh, Kenny Omega is okay. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was silly. In, in storytelling, in kayfabe world, it was dumb. It yeah. didn't make any sense. So uh, the show didn't end there. And this NXT from two weeks ago, this is how you end the show with a big brawl. Because this was really good. So basically what's going on is uh, the team formerly known as LAX and Chris Jericho are beating this not out of the Young Bucks after the match. And Cody comes out for the save. And Cody's got the upper hand on Jericho. And then Sammy Guevara comes out and he's like, nope, you're not going to do that. And kicks him right in the nuts. Sammy Guevara has the upper hand on Cody Rhodes. Dustin comes out. And Dustin comes out, attacks Sammy Guevara and kicks him right in the nuts. I'm like, that's kind of hilarious. But our big surprise, not CM Punk, Jake Hager, formerly Jack Swagger, comes out. And I read this a day or two ago, and I thought, oh, no, a WWE mid-carder, technically a former world champion, but come on, guys. A WWE mid-carder is going to come, and he's going to be a major star in AEW, and they're going to push him to the moon, and they're going to pull a TNA, and, oh, gosh, please don't let this happen. But he acted, to me, he looked like, he looked like a star, first of all. He did he did really good, but he didn't look like someone on par with Chris Jericho. As a matter of fact, the announcers even said Chris Jericho and his lackeys, which was Sammy Guevara, LAX, and Jack Swagger. And if that's what they're going to do, they're going to make him look really strong, but not make him the top tier like they always did with the WWE cast-offs. I'm okay with it because I like Jack Swagger. Right. I just don't want someone that viewed as a mid card in WWE to come over and be an immediate main eventer. I, I just I think that's dumb and it makes you look like a weaker company. Well, I think so, it, I think it does help a little bit that he was able to go to Bellator and he's I mean he's unbeaten he's in Bellator and he is a legit wrestler. Um, so I mean he's got credentials to be. And I really thought he obviously they pushed him to the moon in WWE and. He wasn't ready for it, and they really never had any more faith in him. But honestly, towards the end, he had a little bit of a late, you know, attempt at a push for like a couple weeks, and I actually enjoyed it. And uh, they kind of dropped it. It was after the Cesaro era, not far before he, you know, left the company. But uh, so I think, you know, I like him. He's definitely got the size. He's a legit wrestler. So I mean, you could believe, you know, he's legit, and. Uh, I think if, you know, used properly, like you said, obviously not being pushed to the moon to the main event, but obviously is like a, a good heel. I think he could be a really good asset to them. And he's, he's a big dude. He's got size. And, you know, that's one thing WWE has got a lot of that maybe, you know, AEW doesn't have. So if they can get believable looking guys in there, um, you know, like Jake Hager, I think he'd be, you know, a really good person to be on the roster. Yeah. So I like Again, it. Again. Yeah. I'm not knocking him. I'm glad he's here. Just like, don't make him world champion in three months. Right. So, you know, don't have him destroy Kenny Omega. Like, don't have him make Hangman Page look stupid. Don't make him make yeah. out with Lana. Yeah, please don't do that. Oh, speaking <laughs> of that, so after the show is over, I pull up Instagram to see people's thoughts. And the first thing I see is John Moxley standing behind Kenny Omega in that awesome shot. And I'm like, perfect. The second thing I see is Riho standing there looking exhausted with her AEW women's title. And I'm like, perfect. The third thing I see is Bobby Lashley and Lana making out. And I'm like, oh, hell of two <laughs> companies, I guess. Like, it's just, it's just, and again, I'm really enjoying WWE right now. I don't want to give them too hard of a time, but uh, 
you, you, heard, you all heard our raw review. If you didn't go back and listen to it, but oh, it was bad. It was well, they bad. heard anyway, my raw review earlier, so I think they, they did get that it. on this show. Yes, <laughs> you're exactly five minutes. That's raw all they review. need to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kyle Pauly. Yes. AEW Dynamite's first ever episode. Will you please give me your grade? So I thought the show was a success. Um, obviously, there's a lot of stuff they need to kind of work on. Um, just production-wise, I thought it looked awesome. It's better than I thought. I mean, obviously, they've had good pay-per-view shows, but you don't know how a weekly show is going to look. I mean, um, someone like TNA was always able to kind of have big pay-per-view shows, but then their TV shows would kind of be lackadaisical uh, at points. But here, I mean, it looked honestly it looked better than Monday Night Raw because, uh, I mean, half the crowd has gone away from WWE. So like this arena was full. They were excited. The camera like production value looked great. The sound was great. Uh, I mean, they had a couple snags here and there, but I mean, they obviously on, really went off without a hitch uh, for the most part. Like, you know, production wise, I thought it was great, uh, especially for somebody doing their first wrestling television. Like you would just expect a bunch of, you know, things to go wrong. And it wasn't really, I mean, I can't remember anything that really stuck out that was, you know, any, you know, anything bad. So from that uh, sense, you know, I thought it was good. Um, the announcers were, you know, I really enjoyed the announced team. They didn't get on my nerves. Uh, JR had a couple of lines here and there where he was ad-libbing that were kind of tongue in cheek that, you know, I don't think Tony and Excalibur really got on board with. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I think they'll kind of work on that, you know, as they go along and, you know, JR will kind of learn as he goes as well. Um, and I mean, the matches were good. I mean, I will say this, if, if you want my, you know, if I, you want me to try to sum down what this show is and what I think it's going to be in the future, um, is it like, especially compared to raw or SmackDown, this is a wrestling show. Exactly. That's the one thing that I could take away from this show is I was just sitting there thinking like, okay, it's not going to be, you know, uh, Lucha underground. It's basically like a movie that has wrestling. It's not going to be WWE. That's a soap opera completely, you know, with a bunch of backstage segments, which they've, you know, like you said, they've said that they're not going to do. Um, but there was a lot of wrestling on the show. So if you're a fan of mainly wrestling, this is, this is a wrestling show. I mean, that's definitely what it was. Like I was sitting here and matches would kind of go on and I'm used to so many short time matches on raw. I was kind of like, are they going to be able to fit all these in two hours? But it's because they just did wrestling for the most part. Um, with some small story in between, which I thought was perfectly fine. And I actually enjoyed that part of it. Um, like I said, there, there were things that bothered me as far as like the DQ rules and all that stuff. I think they need to work out. And some of the stuff that doesn't make sense, uh, I think they could kind of work on, but it, for first show and for coming out and trying to make an impression, I thought it was a success. Um, I give the show a B minus um, just because you know, I thought it was a good start. Uh, I think they can build from there. So I'll kind of give them a little bit of a lower rating, but I still think it was a success there. You know, it's definitely going in the right direction. Okay. So the only, there were a couple little production snafus. It was like a time or two where they were showing a video and it froze. Um, right. And one, one time it froze so much they had to switch camera angles. And then there was one time when a legitimately, and, and supposedly this is legitimately sold out. It's legit. And you can tell because there are people 
everywhere. And the camera panned over one section of the floor, and there's like two dozen people missing. And I'm like, oh, you have this entirely full arena. Why would you do the camera shot there? Again, that's a little nitpicky thing. And we've had a lot of little nitpicky things tonight. And I think it's fair to say that because even though this is their first televised show, they've had a couple pay-per-views. And, um, you know, you, you have to be fair because we can't bury the WWE for something and go, oh, but it's AEW. We like them. We'll give them a pass. So I thought the opening to the show was absolutely incredible. I thought the close of the show was absolutely incredible. I thought there were some absolutely stellar matches in Hangman Page and Pac and uh, Cody and Sammy Guevara. I mean, Cody and Sammy Guevara was just so, so good. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of weak wrestling on this. There was some that could be better. Even MJF and Brandon Cutler, like it, it wasn't a bad match. It just wasn't an amazing match. It was very short, and it did its job to get MJF over. Um, six man tag was cool with with John Moxley coming and and the AW women's match was was pretty pretty solid. Like I, I, one of the things I said on my NXT review two weeks ago was, why aren't there any more angles? There should be more angles in a wrestling show, and I think the AEW really nailed it. They, they hit the nail on the head with having angles that don't take up a ton of time and that get a point across. For example, with the Kevin Smith thing, if this was WWE, he would have talked for three minutes about his new movie. But in AEW, he's plugged it for 15 seconds, and then you get wrestlers on your screen. And I thought that was really good. I thought the John Moxley versus and Kenny Omega thing, even though it was really weird, it was really good, and it got you know it got John Moxley on the show first of all, and secondly, it set up their their next big pay per view match. So we'll have a follow up on that next week. And there were some other really cool angles. I just I I just enjoyed this show, man. And I'm not going to give it like an insane score because it really did have some some downsides. That, not that we're like, oh gosh, why is this on my TV? But just like, okay, this doesn't really make sense. They need to clear this out. I'm going to give it a B plus. And I, I honestly think that it can and will get a lot better. And I'm really excited to have wrestling on TNT again and having a true alternative to WWE. I really am. Right. I mean, it is a definite alternative. Uh, I mean, it's it's not like WWE. Like I said, it's, it's the wrestling show of the two. And it'll be interesting to see how WWE responds to this if they do. Like, I mean, that's kind of what, you know, maybe SmackDown will be a little bit more towards that because they want it to be a sports, you know, type right. show. So maybe they lean to more towards that. But like I said before, this is definitely a wrestling show um, and with some, you know, stories sprinkled in, which I'm totally fine with. I will say, I forgot to mention this in my review. And one thing that's a little concerning, and I hope, I think it's okay for the first show, but I was a little bit disappointed as well. And kind of, you know, I had the idea of what grade I was going to give. And another reason why I gave, gave it a B minus and not a straight B. WWE had kind of run into this a couple months ago and was really, you know, when the product started going downhill more, they have a lot of heat on the show. They, were, they try to get a lot of heat. And there's just basically they had a show full of heat. So people were getting, babyface were getting beaten left and right and no stars were coming out of it. Now this show had stars like, Cody Rhodes and um, the Bucks kind of, sh- you know, they shined as stars as well. But the downside is I'm pretty sure every match and every like segment of the show almost ended with 
the babyfaces getting beaten up by heels. I mean, Cody Rhodes won his match. Yeah, Rio, but then got MGF. He got beat up by Jericho at the end of Hawk. it. Yeah, MGF beating Cutler, Nyla Rose on Riho, Pac beating Adam Page, and you know, um, a lot of wow, course in the I main didn't event. Even notice that. Yeah, so there was basically all the heels stood tall at the end of the show, and I think it's okay just for a first show because they're trying to build a story. But I mean, it's it's not a good thing if you know the heels are always standing tall at the end of the show. I don't think people are gonna. Be a, you know as affected by it now, but you know a month or two down the road, if they're like watching a show and there's no happy ending, you know it's kind of like it's. I don't think it's a good thing. So I think it's okay, but it's one thing I noticed, and I was kind of like, that's kind of a you know, I don't think it's something they need to do on the regular for sure. So uh, I think they're doing it just to kind of build something, but uh, it's something to keep watch on. Wow. Man, I didn't even think about about that. That's a that's kind yeah. of a big deal. Hmm. I mean, in all it it made sense though. So that's one another reason why like I wasn't infuriated by it. Like like I said, the, the Young Bucks did lose in the main event in Kenny Omega, but it was because you know they were attacked unfairly, and uh, I mean it kind of it, it all made sense for the most part. So it wasn't like I was infuriated, just shaking my head like, oh, why are they doing this? It was you know it had some sense to it. Uh, like I said, Cody Rhodes won his match cleanly. He just got attacked. Um, so it's okay for now, especially their first show. But yeah, I don't want to see constant heel heat, you know, you know, a couple months down the road. So I think it's fair. I don't think they will continue that. But yeah, you know, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. And you guys can tune in next week where we give another AEW Dynamite review. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on this almost 90 minute episode. We had a lot to go over. So thank you all so much. My name is Matt. I'm here with my cousin Kyle. You can find us all on Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio and on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can find Chris at Chris Cumby on Instagram and at Wrestle Life Heel on Twitter. You can find Kyle at Kyle.poly. And you can find me at Wrestle Life Matt. We have two, three more shows for you this week. We've got NXT. A busy week. Uh, we've got NXT SmackDown and we have the Hell in a Cell preview. And we're going to have five shows next week too. So, who boy, we got a lot to do. Please tell your friends about us. Please listen in, like, share, and subscribe. If you have anything that you want us to talk about, because we're going to be starting roundtables very, very soon, please let us know. We would love your recommendations. This has been episode 34 of Wrestle Life Radio with the first show of AEW Dynamite. Thank you all so much and have a wonderful day. See ya.